Hey, ladies and gents, welcome to the Controlled Interest Gamecast, where we talk about video games and everything happening in the industry. I'm your host, Jed Weich. As always, I'm joined by Dominic Orlando. Praise the sun. Praise the sun, episode 195. It's a week after the release of The Last of Us Part Two. Later, we'll be getting into our initial impressions and our kind of top-level impressions of the game. Won't be going into any spoilers or anything like that. Um... I'm about two and a half, three hours in. Dom, you said you're about, what, 10-ish? Yeah, somewhere around there. Yeah, so we'll have more, uh, maybe more in-depth stuff next week. Obviously, we still will avoid spoilers as much as we can. We do plan to eventually be doing a spoiler mode-ish type episode separate from the podcast. So look out for that when it happens. Obviously, that'll be whenever Dom and I finish the game. Um, but yeah, so... In terms of video game news, um, there's a couple of big things that we're not going to be covering this week, but I suggest the listeners out there do their part and look it up. One is the numerous uh, outings of some of the worst creeps and predators and a-holes in the video game industry um, from the top level down. Uh, We had tons of brave people coming out and talking about their experiences with these people and outing them, which is awesome. And yeah, I think you should do your part and just look into it. Um, it's not that hard. <laughs> just, you know, browsing either Twitter or one of the bigger video game news sites have done a good job of covering this and kind of It's hard to miss, actually. Yeah, it is hard to miss. And uh even if the the thing for me is I think at the, the very bottom of it in terms of paying attention to it is making sure you understand who these people are and not giving them any added clout because I don't think they deserve it based on everything that's come out you know what i mean it's one of those things like hey let me make sure i'm not supporting these awful people you know um and then the other thing obviously is the not as serious but still serious for people involved is the shutting down of mixer um it's kind of abrupt for a lot of the streamers on that platform which is unfortunate uh wasn't tied directly to the thing that came out the day before of a former employee getting treated pretty awfully uh by one of the uh people that worked at mixer um kind of just happened to be very awkward timing but both of those things i highly suggest checking out uh khalif adams of spawn on me wrote up a piece for ign talking about mixer and the fallout and you know where are these streamers going to go a very odd thing came out with facebook gaming where they were offering streaming opportunities for mixer partners but they had to sign like this crazy nda uh which isn't very good um but yeah, the whole situation there's kind of crazy, and I think you know people like Khalif Adams and other people have done a good job of writing up the implications of it. Um, so yeah, check that stuff out. We're not covering either of those things this week, but especially the first one, the former uh, of all the allegations, definitely do your part and look up all that stuff. Anyways, let's get into the video gamey gaming news. Uh, first up, Bandai Namco announced due to COVID-19 issues, Tales of Arise would be delayed indefinitely. If you don't remember, Tales of Arise is the latest in the Tales of series and was unveiled last year at Xbox's E3 presentation, which is pretty cool because obviously the Xbox brand doesn't normally do a lot of GRPG related stuff. And in recent years, they have been. So for them to be able to unveil the latest Tales game, I know to me and you, it's not a big deal, Dom, but the Tales of series is very beloved, like Tales of Berseria and all of those games. People can't get enough of those GRPGs. I think it's one of the most popular jrpg franchises out there and it sucks that it got delayed but once again it isn't the first and it's not going to be the last game we hear getting delayed because of covid obviously we've talked about before right dumb that there's even games we didn't know about or didn't have release dates on that likely got delayed because of it as well but Mm -hmm. it'll never make news because we just don't know that information right yeah and then even yeah you got to assume that like this was it caused a setback for everyone across the board in some way or another right yeah, because not only do you have the specific developers of the game, you have the marketing team and all these other groups working with not only this game, but all the other games under Bandai Namco's publishing brand. So it won't be the first. Uh, it w- won't be the last. It wasn't the first, but I figured I'd mention that because it is such a huge GRPG series. Next up, something near and dear to my heart, Animal Crossing New Horizons. They announced the next update. It's coming out July 3rd. It's going to be adding the ability to swim in the ocean, which is a pretty big deal. Uh, you're going to be able to dive for sea creatures and donate those to the museum. So it's another added uh, avenue to donate stuff to Blathers at the museum. 
You're introducing a new NPC. Uh, it's a red otter named Pascal. Similar to the other NPCs where he specifically will purchase the diving uh, sea creature things you collect. Just like the uh, other creatures um, offer you money for uh, either CJ does it for fishing and Flick does it for bugs. So just another added NPC of the game, which is really cool. Gulliver, who's the uh, the seagull who lands up on your island as a sailor and you help him collect his parts and he gives you a really cool item for doing that. He's getting updated too, to where he's wearing pirate clothing now. So it's unclear if he's going to have additional items because normally the items you'd get from him, Dom, are the Statue of Liberty or Big Ben or like these very iconic like real world um, things, right? Uh, locations or places or items. And it's interesting that now that he's doing a pirate cosplay, if maybe you'll get like, uh, you know, a ship steering wheel or a famous ship or something. Uh, who knows? And then lastly, they tease a second update for the summer, which is going to be announced in August. Um, ocean diving and swimming in the in the water has been something that I guess has been in previous Animal Crossing games. For me, I the only other Animal Crossing game I ever played was the GameCube one, and that wasn't in that. So this is really cool for me because it's a feature I've never been able to take advantage of. And they also showed that it's a, something you can do with your friends too. You guys can all go swimming and diving for stuff. So really cool that they're adding more to this game. It's been selling like crazy and I'm glad they're supporting it. It's, you know, when it, it was coming out, we talked about how it's a game that gets supported annually because of all of the new events and because of the online way that this game has been approached through development, people can't just move ahead to October and do the Halloween event because there are updates to the game, right, as the event's approaching. So everybody is kind of forced to experience everything at the same time, which sucks for some people, but I think has the game feel more alive during the year because you're not having a bunch of people just time skipping forward, right, Dom? Like, everyone has to experience everything at the same time, so you're either in or you're out, right? Which I think is cool. Yeah, it's... um. <clears throat> it's it's cool that it's yeah it's like a live service game but these are free updates right um which is pretty cool because the it's because like you said the game sold like crazy and we assume still is and full price of course because it's nintendo so they're not going to drop the price on this <laughs> one, probably probably ever right oh um, no um but with that we get all these cool free updates you know months after and probably for i don't know i could see this going on for like another year or two or three even right um of like these kind of bigger updates uh but yeah it's pretty cool to get like the way they do that to get everyone back in you know that's kind of the, the kind of thing that like mmos and other live service games have been doing for a while um uh, but with more like paid expansions or whatever and there's that part of it you mentioned of like yeah but if you're not there like if you were on vacation for a week and you missed the easter thing and it's gone forever i guess um until next easter i suppose but <laughs> that's part of it but that's just um that's just the nature of it. So, I, I mean, it's Animal Crossing. It's like the most accessible game that can be, right? So it's, you know, it's, I think it's pretty cool too. And it's unclear right now if, so we had Easter, which was the first event, right? With Zippy, the terrifying yellow bunny. It's unclear if that event will be the exact same next year at that time of year, or if it'll be updated with a new version of it. And I think that'll be interesting because <laughs> where's the balance there? Because you don't want to put so much work into it where you create a whole nother event. But you also want to make people feel like with these games of service games, you want to reward the people who have been there for the long haul, right? So it's like, oh, I have the first Easter event. I have year one Easter items. Uh, you don't. You only have year two Easter items or whatever. You know what I mean? Makes it more like exclusive, which would be interesting if they went that route. But we'll see as the year turns over how they plan to handle, you know, multiple events happening over the course of the game's life cycle. So we'll see there. Next up, uh, Avengers War Table event happened. This was interesting because before we get into what they specifically talked about, at the end of it, they mentioned that the next one is going to be happening in August, or I, I believe they said August, or maybe a couple of weeks from now, and that it'll show off the the first hero, additional hero, more information about the beta and other details, and that was news to me because I thought this war table was like a presentation event singular, but it's actually going to be their ongoing update format, right? So it's like their Nintendo Direct. So moving forward, even past the game's release, whenever we get updates for Marvel's Avengers, they will be War Table uh, branded, uh, which is something we got with Night City Wire, which we'll talk about later for Cyberpunk, is that's going to be that game's ongoing thing. 
And maybe this is the future with next gen two where these games are if they're big enough, obviously not every game's Marvel's Avengers or Cyberpunk, they'll just do their own Nintendo Directs throughout the year and their own updates, which will be cool. But for Avengers War Table, we got a look at gameplay, extended gameplay for the first time. The only thing we'd seen before is the bridge A Day thing, which was more scripted, QTE centric. Uh, not a lot of free-flowing gameplay, but this one we got specifically Thor. A lot of his gameplay. We saw an overview of the gear, which if you're familiar with any other games of service, uh, like Division 2 or Destiny, you're familiar with that system. Um, they talked about co-op and Warzone, which are the multiplayer aspects of the game. And then they also talked about how there's intricate differences with your gear too. So like, for instance, if you're using Iron Man and you equip... Uh, something that does gamma damage, his lasers will reflect that and they'll have a green tinge to them as opposed to like yellow or red, which I thought was a neat little detail. I mean, it doesn't do a lot uh, visually for people watching that's going to be like, oh my God, but it is a nice little thing for people who do care or are specking their Iron Man to be their Iron Man. And that's something they also double down on is that the whole point of having the gear in all these systems is that at launch and moving forward, you know, there's only going to be five heroes, we assume, at launch. There could be some more surprise characters. But they want to make it so if me and you are playing Dom, my Iron Man can feel different than your Iron Man, right? And we can have our own unique experiences with our own leveling up and picking whatever specific moves we want. So I thought it was cool. Uh, here's the thing. It looked rough. I'm not going to sugarcoat that. But <laughs> I do admire the transparency of them not kind of like trying to cut corners or give us these very specific vertical slices where the game looks magnificent. Like this game did look rough. It did look like it has some issues. And um, some of the stuff I do think can be cleaned up, like the frame rate issues that they had. The gameplay stuff, I don't really want to judge it personally until I play it um, to, to get a hands-on on that because there have been times where I've seen games where the combat doesn't look like there's good feedback there and I play it and there actually is good feedback and it does feel good to play at the same time. I've seen games where it looks bad and it does end up being bad. So who knows? But um, yeah, I, I guess, did you have a chance to check this out? I know you're not super interested because it's multiplayer, but did they do enough on the single player side to even get you at a glance? So I, I didn't follow like all the coverage. I didn't watch everything. I only popped on the gameplay for a few minutes to see Thor. And it was, uh, yeah, I, I, this is one where you definitely want to preface it by saying, you know, like, well, what I, of what I saw yeah, you know, I'm not impressed. It was just kind of like, and not even just for like, I guess overall from a gameplay perspective, it's kind of like, this just doesn't look interesting or fun or like, like, and you mentioned responsive. It just didn't seem like there was a whole lot of depth to it. You know, it's hard to pinpoint exactly what I, what I wasn't feeling about it, but it just didn't look good, I guess. Um, but I, I, I watched a whole like three minutes. So, or, you know, so. <laughs> The thing that you watched, I don't know if you got to see this other the other trailer that they showed, but so in the in the single player campaign, right? It's focusing on Kamala Khan, who's Miss Marvel, and the Thor mission is a specific hero mission where you focus on playing as Thor, right? But it does seem like if you watch everything that they've shown, Kamala Khan is a connecting piece where you're. It seems like you're going to be playing as her for a majority of the campaign, and then when events happen. That's when you have those specific hero missions where you take over Iron Man or Thor, right? Uh, and have those big iconic moments. And the Kamala Khan gameplay they've shown is her like going in an underground tunnel and fighting off a couple of enemies or going through a back alley. Whereas like with all these big heroes, it's very bombastic and there's a lot of people on screen, and a lot of shit's going down. And I wonder if they're just not doing a very good job of marketing the campaign aspect of it, of you're going to have these smaller, more intimate moments with Kamala Khan fighting off a couple of enemies at a time as she becomes a hero and learns to become a hero because the ADA event is where she gets her powers, right? And they're kind of just focusing on the big blockbuster moments. And I wonder if maybe, and it could be the case where that is all the game has and the Kamala concept is very small and minute and short, but I do wonder if they're just maybe marketing it wrong. My hope is for the next war table, if they do like specifically focus on the campaign and show you like maybe 10 minutes of a mission, because if you remember when they did the Kamala Khan like revealed trailer, it they also showed her going through like an uncharted style mission where she's, you know, climbing up stuff and going around and maneuvering. I, I just don't know if maybe they're not doing a good job at marketing the single player stuff because they want to focus on 
yo, this is a game as a service. You're going to be playing this for years, getting new heroes, getting new equipment. And maybe they are doing a disservice to pull people like you in who want that focused single player and they have that. They're just not showing it, you know? Yeah, it's, I mean, this is definitely one that, even though, like I said, I wasn't really impressed by, by what I've seen so far, it's definitely one where, yeah, there is going to be more single player stuff and like this game has, has budget, right? And it's a developer like who we know puts out good shit, right? Um, yeah. So it's like, it's one that, you know, I'll continue to give the benefit of the doubt and like watch the next trailer and like look closely at reviews, you know? Because like, I, I, I kind of, I'm wondering the same thing that you said. Like, is are they just not showing the right parts of this? Is it just not showing well, you know, like, it's one that I'll continue to give the benefit of the doubt until like it's out. And, and, and then even then, even after it comes out like a year later, I think this could be like a different, you know, it could improve a lot kind of a game. Um, and I For think it's sure. going to be big no matter what. Like, I think, I think it's going to do really well and, th- and continue to exist for a long time. Uh, being, I mean, just it's Avengers, right? Like it's like, that's gotta be like the biggest IP in the world right now. I don't know. That might be bizarre to say, but no, I think box uh, office speaks for itself. I think it is probably the biggest. Yeah. IP. I, Next maybe I Pokemon. Wanted to like, Pokemon brings in yeah. a ton of money too, but right. I like said that, like thinking like, duh. And then I'm like, am I right though? Am I crazy? But no, yeah, that's gotta be, I mean, there's so many movies and people love it. And like, yeah, it's huge. So that it's gotta be pretty bad for it to not <laughs> succeed. Well, and that's you the know? thing is um, I don't think, I don't think there's a chance that it comes out and has as bad of a reception as Fallout 76 or Anthem, right? No. But in the same breath, I do think it can come out and suffer from some of the same pitfalls of being maybe a little bit light on content or maybe having some some, uh, balance issues or something like that. Or maybe the campaign is Mm -hmm. too short. Who knows? Uh, What I will say that's awesome is that they reiterated once again that all additional heroes and missions and everything is going to be free of charge. Some people got hung up on the fact that they mentioned that some of the skins are going to be purchasable in. So the way they talked about skins is some of them you're going to be able to make and acquire throughout the campaign, right? Of getting these crafting items and making the skins. Some of them, like the very iconic Avengers uniforms, you have to do a set of missions, uh, iconic Avengers missions, where you unlock their specific iconic skin, which I think is really cool, right? And then lastly, they said, and other skins will be available in our online store or whatever. And people got hung up about that. And to me, and I don't know if you feel the same way, Dom, if this is going to be an ongoing game where we're getting new heroes and new DLC and all this stuff for free, they are a business and they do need to make money. And if the way you are going to implement microtransactions is through the skins, I can live with maybe not getting the specific skin I want or paying for that skin. If that means I get black panther for free and doctor strange and all these cool expansions and maybe a new raid like i think that's a good trade-off for me because they do need to have it be sustainable enough to where it makes sense for them to continue developing the game right and adding new stuff yeah i mean that's the thing like it's all about the way they it's going into a microtransaction conversation but um it's all about the way it's implemented right like there is uh battlefront 2 at launch where it's like paid loot boxes where it's all by chance and you're getting stuff that is helping you win like gameplay effects right and then there's like oh you're just buying extra skins straight up you know what you're getting and then anywhere in between so it's like i i don't think that anything they they've described with this game is problematic in the slightest because like games are expensive man and this game must cost a lot of money to make and even though like you I've, i've told you how cheap i am but like you know when the day comes and they're like you know games are 70 dollars now instead of 60 like like yeah, that seems about right, and I'll be there to you know buy the games I want for seventy bucks too. Like we still see it yeah. as like a value, right? It's a value proposition still yeah. at that point. Yeah. Um, yeah. the one thing that will irritate me, and this is a part of video games, is that let's say for instance, this is a made up scenario in my head, but we could totally see this happening based on the current situation. We know that PlayStation has marketing rights at this game, right? It'll really be a bummer if they announce Black Panther as a DLC character. And PlayStation gets it for like a month before Xbox gamers get to get it. Yeah. That's going to be bullshit because it's a free thing. And literally the only reason it's not coming out on the other platform is because you can't hit the green light to put it on that platform. Whereas like mm-hmm. I see aligning with, oh, this Black Panther skin is exclusive on PlayStation, right? I'm like, yeah, that's a bummer, but it's a skin, right? It's like, whatever. It's like the free updates. I'm worried that some of that stuff's going to be time. It's going to be a bummer to Xbox gamers. And this is me saying this right now with us not knowing if Cyberpunk's going to have something like that, which once again, it's a weird 
uh, example because it's CD Projekt Red and they don't do that stuff. Yeah, but just I don't hear really me. See that. I guess AC Valhalla. We know Assassin's Creed Valhalla has marketing with Xbox, sure. right? To me, that'll still be a bummer and it'll suck. But it, I think it stings a little bit more if it's like free content. You know what I mean? As opposed to like, oh, this DLC, this twenty dollars DLC is going to come out on Xbox first. Both are still bad. I'm not giving Xbox a green light. But the f- something being free and also timed is kind of like, ugh, it sucks. Once again, yeah, it hasn't been announced yet. I'm just kind of assuming that might happen. We'll see. I don't want to. And it's been know, happening, right? Like them. Sony's been yeah. doing that the last couple of years, right, with Call of Duty stuff. And and I want to like, I know it sounds silly and naive, but like you, I just I think to myself like, well, hopefully the extra money Sony paid is really helping the developer, you know, finish this game, give them extra budget. And it's not just, you know, some CEO's fucking bonus, nothing else. Right. (laughs) I hope. Uh, And that's the thing is, it's weird because you would assume Xbox would have, Xbox would have been trying to do this last couple of years because they were the ones that were far behind, you know? Um, And like I said, who knows if Xbox does do something like this, Phil Spencer said he's against it, but you know, business strategies change uh, with time. So who knows? Um, But yeah, it'll be unfortunate if that happens. We'll see. I'm playing Avengers Day One because I am such a Marvel fanboy. And to your point, like if it's a seven, I'm still gonna play the hell out of it. If it's a nine, oh, I'm yeah. gonna play the hell out of it and be proud I'm playing the hell out of it. Um, but yeah, I I'm excited to see what you know the different heroes they add. And yeah, I'm just it's like a triple A Marvel Ultimate Alliance at its worst, and I'm down with that. Like I'm, I'm yeah, cool with a, that. a better looking. That's what it reminded <laughs> me of. Um, and I, and that's not necessarily like yeah, better looking, but like gameplay wise, it was like. Okay, it looks like you have an A and B button for attack, and that's it. You know what I mean? And it's like, it's yeah. fine, I guess. I think <clears> it'll be good. And people, I think from a from a development standpoint, I think we have to give give Crystal Dynamics a little bit of slack because they haven't really made a game like this. On top of the fact, if you yeah. compare this to Destiny, which I think is its closest like relative in terms of the game space, right? Destiny, you have three classes, but the primary function of that game is shooting a gun, right? Primary function of the game is shooting a gun. No matter what class you are, whatever powers you have, it's shooting mm-hmm. a gun. They have to create five distinct Avengers who all play differently, who all have different yeah. powers, and like it's a pretty tough task. The reason Thor's hammer throw isn't going to feel as good as Kratos is because they're not only having to design Thor. You know what I mean? It's not yeah. just a Thor game, which sucks. Because I do think if Crystal was making solely a Thor game, I do think they have the talent to make a game as quality as God of War and maybe even obviously not on the same level, but close to it enough in terms yeah, of the hammer feeling good. But the fact is they're yeah, having to create yeah. all of these heroes. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. Game does look rough. But like I said, I appreciate the transparency because they could have cut around like gameplay and edited it weird to show off the best parts, but they were willing to let it ride and show the parts that maybe don't look as interesting or look a little clunky pre-release. Right? So We'll see what happens. I do want to mention, though, top of the show, I talked about all these allegations and stuff. It was a bad look for them to have Casey Lynch hosting this thing, uh, who was mentioned in the IGN allegations of kind of being a really shitty boss, uh, allegedly, by a lot of people. So that wasn't a good look, but it happened the day before. And the way production works, I don't know if they had time to be able to have somebody go in and re-record the VO, you know? I think it was just a damned if you do, damned if you don't situation. But yeah, I would... I would appreciate if the next four table isn't hosted by him. Uh, that would be a real mess. Um, but yeah, that's that. And lastly, before we get into the Xbox related news, uh, we had Night City Wire, which was the Cyberpunk 2077 presentation. They showed off a new gameplay trailer, which was pretty cool. They confirmed free next-gen upgrades and back compatibility for both PS5, PS4, Xbox Series X, and Xbox One. And then they dove into this brain dance mechanic, which we'll talk about a little bit uh of what it was and the other cool announcement is trigger who's a very lauded and you know loved anime studio is doing uh an anime for cyberpunk called cyberpunk i want to say gun runners i didn't write it down uh Hmm, not gun something runners yeah sorry i completely slipped the name but it's gonna be coming out in 2022 for netflix and uh that's really dope. People were like, how are they already working on a hmm. edge runners, edge runners. There you go. Um, sorry about that. How are they working on an anime before the games even come out? People have to remember that this game is based on a, a tabletop RPG. That's been around for a while. So they're not solely banking on the game. Obviously they want people to fall in love with the game and then fall in love with the show. And I do think this is Netflix seeing how well the Witcher did. Right. 
and be like, oh, we're hopping on this early. Um, which is cool because we keep forgetting about the Witcher anime series that's coming out the prequel, Dom. So we might be getting back-to-back CD Projekt Red uh, animated shows, which is cool. So um, Yeah, I'm pumped for that, the, that Witcher. I think I want to say it was a movie, um, an animated movie. But this was cool too, though, uh, the Cyberpunk one. And it's, to be honest, like probably the revenue from the pre-orders alone could fund this anime show. Oh, yeah, 100%. <laughs> <laughs> or the revenue they made from Witcher 3 when it sold when the Witcher show came out that month alone. Good right. Lord. Just that yeah. month. Yeah. Uh, the gameplay looked cool. They talked about the, the six mm-hmm. dist- districts. And then one that we hadn't seen much of, which was the seventh district, which is the Badlands, which uh, has this clan of people called nomads that are essentially Mad Max, right? Mad Max Fury roading it, basically living in their cars, going around this giant desert. feels very much like the Las Vegas desert in Nevada. Uh yeah, a lot of really neat gameplay details, but the thing they showed at the end was Brain Dance, which is a mechanic where it's like Witcher Vision or Batman Detective Mode, where you get to look through somebody's memories through their eyes and kind of investigate a scene and determine what happened, right? So say, uh, you know, I'm looking through Dom's memories, I can see him go to the gas station, whatever he's buying, and then say he was murdered, I can then look at the security camera through his eyes and piece together details and try to figure out who murdered him. That's kind of how they showed it off. It looks kind of slow. Doesn't look like it's going to be a whole lot of fun. Blessing out of your junior friend of the show of kind of funny got to play the game for four hours. And he talked about it too, of it being probably his least favorite part of the four hours. He got to play is very slow and methodical and moved at a snail's pace and wasn't really engaging or fun. And the conversation Dom and I had before the show is that, um, a, maybe it's just a, a, you know, it's an early build. He likely played. He didn't play final build of the game. On top of the fact that because it's an RPG and they're focusing so much on how you play and how you spec your character and tackle things how you want to, I doubt they're going to force you into using this as the game progresses. It seems like a mechanic they're going to introduce early, kind of force feed it to you a little bit to get a hang of it so you know the options there. But as the game progresses, I doubt you'll be forced into using it. You'll probably have that option. And then depending on how you build your character and the dialogue decisions you make, you might have other options to coming to the same solution, right? Uh, what did you think about it, Don? Yeah, I wasn't like that much into it too. I was kind of like, oh, I guess, I guess that's something you can do in this game. You know, I didn't like hate it. You know, it's like the other stuff was cooler. So, but I think you're right. Where it's probably more like you know one of those optional things, kind of like um, you know Fallout Four, where it, it takes you through the whole tutorial of like here's how you build settlements, and it forces you to do a couple quests around it, but then like you can ignore it for the rest of the game if you want right or you can go way deep into it um so i think i think you're right like at most this is kind of like an optional thing that you can like if you choose to use that tool throughout the game you can more um i I don't think that they would mandate it quite a bit and then the other part of this too is like we're still um six months five months five months they still have time (laughs) and a lot of people just previewed this game a lot of the same people who are going to be reviewing it right and they're probably doing their own internal reviews and stuff like that um so maybe maybe they do get this feedback and trim out some of that stuff based on what people are saying too. So or or speed up the process of the actual mechanic, right? They could do that as well. Yeah. Um. Mm-hmm. And you know, CD Projekt Red, Witcher Three didn't launch in the best state in terms of it having bugs and stuff. And I mm-hmm. think they're taking extra time on this game because they don't want it to launch in that scenario. And knowing CD Projekt Red, I don't think they make something like that. You can eat, I can eat my words and I can be totally wrong when the game comes out. And it's a primary mechanic you have to use all the time. Um, and I hope that doesn't, that doesn't end up happening, but we'll see. A lot of the gameplay snippets so look cool. I'm at a point with this game where like, I just want to play it already. Like I, I'm sold yeah. a million times over. <laughs> mm-hmm. I just want to play it. Yep. And it's different than last of us where last of us, I was hard out on trailers because it's such a story focused game. And I'm not saying cyberpunk isn't going to have a dope story. Or it isn't going to be narrative focused. But a lot of the trailers are open world. Introducing you to random characters and stuff like that. So I enjoy watching it because it gives me a better feel for the world that I can't wait to dive into. Whereas with like Last of Us, I'm like, I want to avoid everything at all times. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I just can't wait to get this game. <sighs> I really hope this game doesn't get delayed again, Dom. I'll understand if it does. Yeah. but I don't think so. <clears throat> I, I don't think it will. Because um, it has several times already, of course. But... Now it's, you know, it's at the middle of November, which is like the last possible spot you can put something. And, and it was get two like months, right? Holiday sales. 
It's like mm-hmm. they only delayed it two months. Like if they needed, they would have known they needed more and more time. So they, like, why not delay it till spring, right? Why only delay it two months? And yeah. it is maybe the bug squashing, right? They don't have a whole lot left. Yeah, and like, cause you that that's like a big delay, right? From like, you know, August to September or August to no, October is like, sure, you're not missing out on as much. But if you delay from out out of the holiday period entirely, you just lost out on a huge chunk of sales that you would have got you know, that Black Friday and Christmas, right? So like, there's still like another delay would be like, they'd really have to justify that to their, their shareholders more so, right? And one thing we didn't talk about, like in our chat, we were talking about how does this relate to the next gen console releases? One thing me and you didn't think of is maybe they chose the 19th because it's literally the last week they could have released it before Black Friday. You know what I mean? To get all those sales. Which now feels kind of obvious. yeah. Yeah, but we were still focused on, especially me, not so much you, of like oh how does this relate to connection it's like yo it's the last week they could have released it before they can dive in on those black friday sales my dude like come on now yeah but it it, it felt like you can't you gotta ask that question it felt like that's a weird coincidence because that's a, that's when we assume that you know series x is coming out so like is that connected you gotta ask that question it's you know it's well and then in terms of data i wonder how they're feeling getting feedback from consumers like how many people are going to wait the extra two months to just get it for next gen anyways because they know it's going to be backwards compatible, not the next gen SKU, but you know, putting it into your Series X or PS5, right? And I wonder if they're like, well, then let's just delay it, get, fix some more bugs, and then people will be able to make that choice if they want to buy it alongside the new consoles, right? Maybe that was the decision too. Um, who knows? We had some. Ex- Sorry, did you want to say something? No, because I think it's going to be part of the Xbox stuff anyway. So let's just go ahead. <laughs> so uh, we had some Xbox stuff happen. Uh, we had a Halo tease, which I want to talk about, and then we had some Phil Spencer comments, which are quite interesting. Um, so the first up, uh, the first thing is, three four three Industries posted a second animated. Uh, sorry, I don't know why I write. I think I meant to get the time of the actual thing, and I forgot to write it down. But it ended up being a minute and fourteen seconds. Uh, it was an animated audio clip, had like the waveforms, featuring the voice of Halo Wars, two Halo Wars twos. What a weird thing. Uh, main antagonist Atriox, who's this big brute guy, and he leads the Banished, which is a faction that maybe fans who of Halo who didn't play Halo Wars wouldn't know about, but they're essentially uh, like a splintered off group of villains who left the Covenant, right? So Atriox was going to be executed, and he thwarted his own execution, and he left, and he became his own like guerrilla faction, right, of fighters. And this is exciting for fans because he could potentially be maybe the main antagonist or at least a faction in the game, because we don't know what Halo Infinite is. And maybe they are going to have the Covenant, but they're also going to have, you know, this brute force, literally, uh, because he is a brute. Atrox is a brute in the Halo world, and figuratively. And then maybe the Flood and other stuff, and maybe that's how they differentiate this game of having these really cool factions to go after. Um, What I will say is, you know, we often talk about, like, does Halo Infinite need to come out and be a banger? Where does the Halo franchise sit? I think we kind of get lost in the mud sometimes forgetting how big Halo is in general to the average gamer. In less than a day, that tweet already has 101,000 likes, which is crazy. Um, obviously, it's up there with what Last of Us often does with PlayStation as well. And, you know, people forget how big Halo is. And it's literally just an animated audio clip with waveforms of this dude speaking who most general Halo fans don't even know who it is. And people are so excited and so thirsty for anything Halo. Uh, Dom, did you have a chance to check it out? If not, what do you think of this tease of this possible villain? What did this clip do no, for you? I, I didn't even know that. I didn't hear it. I didn't even know that that was a thing that happened. Um, <laughs> but because uh, the, the Brutes were in Halo 3 for the first time, was it? Uh, man, you're testing my Halo knowledge. Yeah. Uh, I think Halo Three. That that okay. Well, I guess I'll just say like I, I like all the Halo games. Um, and one thing I liked about them, like I remember, I always remember playing the first game. And when you first you've been fighting the Covenant, and then you get to a point where like shit starts to feel weird. You know, it's the the music gets a little more eerie, and like you're finding these audio logs and like dead people that don't look like they were killed by Covenant, and then all of a sudden like, oh, it's the flood. And then you're like, what is this shit? And it was terrifying. I don't know a lot of people don't like that level because it's like repetitive hallways, but like that's like one of my favorite Halo experiences ever. It was like the library level in Halo 1. Um, 
when you first encounter the flood because like it was like scary as hell and like intense and you're like oh it's a it's an entirely new enemy and it's not like a skin of the other enemies or a bigger version it was like a whole new thing um i don't know so i, I always thought like just reintroducing a new enemy type was something that i don't know made that game really cool and then that, like i said i think in halo 3 was like oh now these are these brute guys um and I can't even remember the narrative threads that were going on, but the Covenant had like their own like civil war or some shit going on. And like now there's these brute guys and they're a totally different kind of enemy type. Um, and then I'm trying to think, but then in four and five, like the Prometheans. Well, I think that's the thing is I think a lot of Halo fans like the organic enemies more than yeah that stuff, like the two sci-fi stuff, right? Because the brutes mm-hmm. are aliens, but they're, you know, their name describes them perfectly. There's just big, big like bear like gorilla creatures and then Mm -hmm. the flood is organic in the sense of like oh it's like zombie centric like yeah this weird parasite um if they do introduce a new enemy faction or i'm assuming you're with me in that i hope it's more organic right like it's an alien species as opposed to like some weird sci-fi robotic technological stuff like in four and five um to the point though sorry go ahead well, and I think it would be just because they probably want to like, not not like distance from four and five necessarily, but like, you know, differentiate is maybe a little bit better of a word. Um, and yeah, having like the kind of like sci-fi type villain would, yeah, if they're going to do something new, I hope it's something cool, more organic and fucking like scary and like interesting. I don't know. Well, from what I've That's seen with chapter. Atriox, I've, obviously I didn't play either of the Halo Wars games, but after hearing this i kind of looked into him and he is this like big brooding evil dude but he's also like kind of pretty intelligent as like a war chieftain and those are some of my favorite villains of like they don't only have like the the brute force but they have like the strategic intelligence which is even scarier because it's intimidating enough just to be big and strong right but then to have the smarts behind it you need to have somebody who can stand up to master chief on all of those levels not just combat but to out-strategize him, right? And to have him keep him off his toes. And I wonder if that's going to be the case. And I do think it's it's going to be a spiritual reboot, I assume, in a sense. Not not narrative reboot, but I do think that they're going to get back to the more grounded style of gameplay. And they're going to have a story that includes familiar enemies maybe doing things differently that we haven't seen before. Uh, I just think they want their fans to experience the a traditional halo game in a next gen skin you know we'll see what mm-hmm. happens though i'm just glad we got a tease and you know it riled people up and uh what we'll get into next in terms of phil spencer's comments i do think they understand how important this game is not only to the console itself not only to the halo franchise but gaming in general like i think gaming is better when halo's you know at the top of its game um because we talk about competition how to competition breeds excellence and Definitely. if you're just having Naughty Dog release Last of Us 2 and, you know, there's not something on the other end of the table that's going to compete and try to drive the medium forward as much as Naughty Dog does, then what's the point, you know? Because, you know, 343 can push Naughty Dog in ways that, like, they maybe don't know or see to push themselves because they nail narrative, but maybe they see some things that 343 does in terms of gameplay. And maybe 343 saw some things in terms of narrative from Naughty Dog. I just the competition's good, and man, I hope Halo Infinite lives up to the hype. We'll see, though. Um, I think it's gonna. Like, yeah, I, I think I'll just like leave on that. I think it's gonna be like fucking superb, and I think it's also gonna like look um, incredible, incredible. You know, yeah, and like technology-wise, and like because um, that's that's a, a always a big Naughty Dog uh, plus is like they push the hardware and they they get everything out of it and they do like technology uh, uh, type things that are like impressive, and I think. I think Halo Infinite like is is poised to do that um, on Series X. I think it's gonna be incredible. I'm, it's gotta like it's gonna. I, I the rumors it. we're hearing. I don't know if you've heard the rumors, but apparently the Slipspace engine, which is a new engine they're using for Halo Infinite, was one of the more expensive, if not the most expensive, game engine to create. Like mm-hmm, they okay. they put they put a lot of money into making that engine. And then the other thing that people are saying is that this might have the highest budget for a video game of all time. Like pure just dollars wow. of what they invested into it. Um, it, that sounds kind of crazy, but when you think about Microsoft, like 
we've mentioned this numerous times they have a back-end vault that like no other company does one of the most valuable companies in the world right now like i wouldn't be surprised if they're like yo we need to put a high budget into this game because we want our console to sell there's no world where i see this is below an 8.5 knock on wood i don't think it'll be below an 8.5 i'm of the opinion and i think maybe yeah. you are too that i could i think this is going to be higher than a nine but you know, worst case scenario, I think it's no lower than, you know, like an eight and a half on Metacritic. We'll see, though. Yeah, I think we assume we're going to see see it next month um, in just a few weeks. But it, it, we've obviously seen nothing. But I think I'm with you. I would like pin it like at a nine average, uh, if I had to guess. Man, I hope it's just when the event starts, it's a cold open to gameplay of it. That'd be so good. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. I think it's going to be a hype moment, like. I think it's going to blow our doors off. I just feel good about it. I don't know. Come on, Phil. Uh, do you remember, maybe it was Halo 3. Do you remember the first Halo 3 trailer where it's like storming Normandy Beach, but it's Halo? And it's just, I don't know if you remember that trailer. Uh, like storming like a like a hill with rocks and stuff and the Covenant is just shooting down. I remember I watching that trailer and being like, this is video games. This is incredible. And I hope we have yeah. that moment in a month or so. Uh Phil, though, uh, recently did this presentation for Game Lab, and he had some quotes. Some of them were hyperbolically taken out of context and used as headlines on gaming sites. Obviously, that's how that happens all the time whenever these guys speak. But uh, I'm going to present his quotes as is, and then we'll talk about them. So he said, I'm just being honest. I felt good after seeing the Sony show. I think the hardware advantages that we built will show up uh, as we're talking more about our games, frame rates, and other things. I feel good about July and the gameplay we we're going to be showing there. Sony did a great job with their event. I'll also say as a gamer, it's nice to see both of us out there and competing. I think the competition leads to better outcomes for both companies, and I love that. Our teams are working hard to get our July, July show lineup. We have taken feedback from our last event, the May Inside Xbox, and people are going to be really pleased with what we're showing there. So, obviously there was headlines of Phil Spencer thinks they're going to kick Sony's ass out of the gate and all of these like very hyperbolic things. And... I do hear what he's saying in terms of we know that exactly. And in terms of the consoles, I know people like to skate the line and like, oh, but they're both good. Here's the thing. I'm not saying that PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series X are not both good. In terms of the specs, Xbox Series X clearly has an advantage in literally everything but the SSD. In terms of just the core raw power, right? We know that. Just looking at the numbers, purely the numbers. So that's why he's excited because if we look purely at those numbers, we know that Xbox Series X has an easier place in doing ray tracing, doing 4K, doing better frame rates. We just know that. So obviously there's going to be confidence there because he looks at their numbers, looks at his numbers, and he understands what the boxes can accomplish. The second part of it in terms of the launch lineup stuff, currently the only thing we know first party launch is Miles Morales, which is hopefully and expectedly going to be a dope game. It's going to be Lost Legacy style. And right now for Xbox, we know that they have Halo Infinite. Now, putting those two things on the platter on a scale, you'd say that Halo Infinite obviously weighs a, quite a bit more in terms of general, you know, launch title, blockbuster theming. Um, and I do think they might have a couple of other titles. We assume what, like Forza Motorsport, right? We don't know anything else from PlayStation. So if he's looking at the paper and he sees that they pretty much first party wise just have Miles as is. I would be confident too if I knew I knew I had at least two first party titles, right? I don't know. I think people are just being too hyperbolic of him. They're thinking he's coming off as cocky or something. I'm like, no, he's just a guy who runs his thing and he's confident. And I do like the part where he added that they learned from the May thing, uh, the you know the X the inside Xbox where it was like vague third parties and didn't show a whole lot of gameplay. And that's why I think them opening with a cold open for Halo is possible. And Maybe we won't see as many games as we're in the PlayStation event, but I guarantee you we'll see more gameplay total because that was something interesting. Like, I'm rambling. I want to hear from you, Dom. Let me just finish my thought real quick. PlayStation 5 event. Obviously, you weren't here to talk about it. as me and Max. I loved it. They showed so many dope games I'm excited for. The odd thing is they didn't show as much gameplay as I thought PlayStation would show. Um, Horizon didn't have any gameplay. We'd assume it all looked cinematic, right? I guess maybe you can make an argument like the underwater thing, but we're, you know, whatever, whatever. Uh, Ratchet was pretty much the one that showed extensive gameplay, uh, which was dope. It was really cool. It just, the whole presentation didn't show as much gameplay, 
But I do think the reason people were more forgiving of that is because of how little gameplay, gameplay Xbox's May thing showed. So in comparison, it showed more. But if you're just looking at it, it's like, for a PlayStation show, they didn't show as much as I thought they'd show. Um, yeah. Like, those kind of criticism, criticisms can always be like, you can always be like, well, actually here. Because, yep, uh, would you rather see, you know, a two-minute cin- more cinematic trailer of Horizon Zero Dawn or, you know, a minute and a half of actual gameplay from uh, a second-party indie game, right? Yeah. Like, well, I want to see the Horizon Zero Dawn, right? So, like, you could say... <laughs> That's the thing, like the criticisms, they might get that specific, but other things can outweigh that and where people For aren't sure. thinking about that anymore. So. Yeah, so if the May event, even though it didn't have a whole lot of gameplay, if we saw Fable or Halo or something, and even if it wasn't a whole lot of gameplay, right. people might not right. have been as upset. Yeah, I get what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm not knocking places. Like we talked about, I really like that event. It just, I hope that Xbox takes it a step even further from that and shows it's even more gameplay um, from their games and that's the funny thing is, I think uh, maybe you're in the same boat. We need to see extensive gameplay for Halo, right? That's their launch title. We need to see that. That's kind of, of a course. given. Yeah. For Fable, I would like to see gameplay, but I don't need it. Them just announcing its existence and maybe giving like a cinematic, right? I'm in. Mm-hmm. Hellblade is a yeah. weird case. Say 2020. In between is, yeah. If that. Hellblade is a weird in-between because it's not as imminent as we assume as Halo but we already know more about it than Fable, right? So, like, that can literally go either way, too. Like, I'm down to see more gameplay, but I don't necessarily need more, like, gameplay from Hellblade 2. Um, yeah. yeah, that's also weird. one where, similar to, like, a Naughty Dog game, that's a game that, um, at least the first one, where it's hard to tell the difference, you know, between the gameplay and what could be a cinematic, right? Yeah. Because that's that, that, that's that type of game, which is great. It's cool. Um. There was something else I wanted to mention about this this whole Xbox thing, but I can't remember. Um, I, here's a, a question I wanted to ask you: Is we know the events in July, we know Ghost of Tsushima is coming out what the nineteenth, right? Seventeenth or nineteenth, but yeah. So we'd assume that the Xbox presentation will likely be either a week after that or a week before that. We're getting close to the end of the month. Do you think it's a higher chance that this comes at the beginning of July or at the end of July? Great question. Because yeah, I don't know, like, what's there is, the twenty fifth of June? Today's the twenty fifth. Yeah, I want to pull up this quote from Aaron Bre- uh, Aaron Greenberg Aaron Greenberg for you, uh, because he there was a Twitter thread where people were like, "What exactly is this event?" Because at this point we didn't know if it was a live event like inside Xbox or if it was a edited digital presentation like um the playstation one right and uh somebody replied let me see if i can find it real quick uh hold on uh while i'm looking for this dom uh what would you want to see from fable if they do show it at the july event i think like you said i'm not expecting you know extensive gameplay um or you know a date this fall or that 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 would be like that's reaching, right? I'm not expecting anything like that, but more so like announcing one its existence, um, displaying that like the humor and like the the tone that those games have. Um, I only played one of them. I think it was Fable Three, but I get the idea of like what those games are about. Like, if you're gonna make a Fable game, you gotta like show us that. It's gotta it's gotta be awesome, right? You can do that in a cinematic trailer. Um, but that's more what I'm thinking is like a like a good two, three minute, like cinematic trailer, maybe like, you know, the, the no HUD quick snippets of gameplay kind of thing that they do. Um, maybe something like that, but, um, but some, yeah, more brief and like, this is happening and it's going to be dope. Trust us. So the series later this year or something, the series is known for it's like humor, right? It's English, like very cheeky humor. Exactly. There are rumors that this one might be a little bit, not that it won't have comedy, but it might be a more, uh, it might err more on the side of realism in terms of its graphics than like the cartooniness of the original trilogy of fable games are, is mm-hmm. that okay with you? Do you want something that maybe looks a little bit more, more mature in terms of artistic feel? I mean, or does it matter to you? To me, it's I, like, I'm not that worried about that. Um, but you know, the internet might, you know, the, the fable, um, I don't know, originals, people i don't know they might take like offense to like well you're changing it but then i bet even if even if that's the case it comes out and it's great then it'll be great right because yeah yeah 
I don't I don't care if it looks more cartoony or more realistic. I want it to look unique. You know what I mean? I want it to stand out as its own thing. I don't want it to have like the Sea of Thieves art style, but I also don't want it to look like uh Last of Us, right? Uh obviously that's a weird like comparison, but you know what I mean? I want it to like Last of Us looks like Last of Us. I want Fable to look like Fable. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because yeah. like even Everwild, the new rare game, kind of looks a little Breath of the Wildy, like it doesn't really have its own identity. I just want this game to look like it's its own thing. I found the tweets. So there's a couple of them. So first off, in reply to the Halo tease, Ryan McCaffrey from IGN's Unlocked podcast said, are we less than one month away finally? And then Phil Spencer replied, we're still waiting for Aaron Greenberg to get a new webcam before we start. Kidding. No greeny webcams in the July show. This is in reference to, if you remember, Aaron Greenberg had that really shitty webcam in the, in the oh, main God. presentation. And Aaron Greenberg replied, as I tell the team, I have a face for radio, prefer to work behind the scenes. So this is essentially basically being like, yo, we're probably not going to have webcams in this, right? It's probably going to be more of a presented professional presentation. And then the other tweet, somebody, this guy named Snoopy G7 on Twitter said, hey, Aaron Greenberg, can you spill the beans on the date for July's Xbox event? Phil said it's okay. Details, please. Thanks. And then Aaron Greenberg replied, team is working hard on it. Good content review today. This was yesterday, June 23rd. Good content to review today, in fact, with the big boss. We will share more details when all is locked. Kindly ask for patience in the meantime. So obviously, that could literally mean anything. But people are assuming because he's saying patience that it might be a little bit longer than we anticipate. Like, you know, people want it to be at the beginning of the month. It might be in the middle of the month. To me, the fact that they're doing a content review already means that it's, I, I would expect this sooner rather than later. Now, I'm not saying like next week or anything, but content review means that they probably have a lot of the stuff locked in, finalized for like the trailers they're showing in all of the content, right? And they're going over making sure everything looks good, any last minute addition. So um, obviously it doesn't lean either way. I just like that they're commenting on it because we know that they're doing it because there was some fear that it might get delayed to August with that whole Xboxing thing that's been teased to of the Lockhart reveal. So anyways... That's it for this week. Not a whole lot of big news. I did love getting a Halo tease. You know, we're in the middle of playing The Last of Us Part 2. We're getting this Halo tease. We have Ghost of Tsushima. It's a good time for video games during a very bad time <laughs> in the world for everything else, especially in the United States if you're looking at the pandemic and the way the COVID-19 numbers are rising and rising for some reason. Uh, cough, cough. Um, but yeah, real quick, uh, I wanted to talk about Last of Us Part 2. Once again, don't worry about clicking off we're not doing any spoilers. We're probably not even going to talk about the story. We just want to give our, you know, top level impressions of the game generally. And I'll, I guess I'll go first. I have less experience, obviously, with Naughty Dog because, uh, dumb, you played all the Uncharted's. I've only played Uncharted 3 for like uh, an hour, maybe. And then obviously I played all of Last of Us and now Last of Us Part 2. And what I will say, my top level impressions, the level of detail is incredible uh not surprising this is the most detailed and real feeling world that i've played since red dead 2 honestly i think these games have a lot of similarities in that sense of the immersion is incredible in terms of just the world feel um the gameplay and obviously i'm only three hours in as i mentioned earlier in the podcast so things can change dynamically uh i will say that the gameplay lackluster is like a harsh word I, i'm not trying to make it sound negative it's just it hasn't done anything that makes it feel any different gameplay wise than the first Last of Us. If that makes any sense, you know, I doesn't. I haven't seen any of the evolutions of what I felt playing the first Last of Us. I will say the shooting I think feels a little bit tighter and a little bit better than the first Last of Us, which I appreciate. Um, the environments feel a little bit more like breathy. Like I, they they don't feel as needing to be confined to such a like a tight space um and obviously i haven't gone through a majority of the game so maybe they get even wider which is dope um the new characters are great <laughs> yeah the new characters are great they definitely the, do. uh the returning characters are awesome uh i think the biggest the i want to preface this by saying i'm playing on a base ps4 on a 1080 monitor so take my opinion with a grain of salt in terms of the visuals I don't think anything looks as incredible as it did in the E3 demos. 
and I'm not here to bash like, oh, it got downgraded, yada, yada, yada. The one thing I will say that is phenomenal uh, is the facial animation specifically, like the twitch mm-hmm. of the of the of the muscles in the face and everything look incredible. Um, yeah, I the thing I'll say three hours in, and this is not a knock at the game because I'm really enjoying it. And I'm probably gonna love this game by the time I finish it. When I played the first Last of Us game, Dom, that felt like a game that was taking complete advantage of the hardware, and it felt like oh, this game is pushing the PS3 to its limits. With The Last of Us 2 so far, it's an incredible game and I'm really enjoying it, but it doesn't feel as, like, it doesn't feel like it's pushing the, the hardware as much as, like, even God of War did to me um, from a technical perspective. And once again, I'm only three hours in, so who knows, but it just doesn't feel like that same type of swan song where it's, this game doesn't feel like PS5 needed to happen and it's on the brink of the PS5. Like, I could have seen this game come out two or three years ago, you know? Um, but, yeah, that's it so far. Three hours in. Um, really enjoying it. Uh, what I will say, too, real quick, is they did a good job of managing marketing and not giving away a lot of stuff. I only watched the first two trailers, but even then, uh, they did a good job at, uh, you know, misdirecting people. And, yeah, so enjoying my time with it so far. Dom? Yeah, I mean, we could... I don't know. I, I can I can only say like good things about it. So I guess I'll start with a nitpick. Which <laughs> oh no, a nitpick. I had <laughs> a nitpick, which I had to kind of like search for and like, like really is it? And, and again, I'm, I'm not even halfway through probably. So a lot average is 25 hours. So yeah, less than half. I would yeah, say. I'll say that I mentioned the a lot of the environments open up wider, and, that, and that's and that's great. Um, a lot of them do though feel like it's similar in to the first game right you're going through a lot of the same like old buildings and open or not open fields but like you know old roads with broken down cars and like it's it's a lot of it granted i don't know how you can avoid that like the world is what it is right (laughs) yeah you know um and it, it might take me to new places and that might be remedied but that's just one thing i'm like oh yeah this this looks like a way prettier version of you know, the, the same couple of buildings I remember looking through in the last game. Um, of course, more detailed. Because um, like you mentioned, everything is crazy detailed. And then um, kind of, I, I keep on having Red Dead 2 uh, comparisons in my head too um, with the way everything looks and how detailed it is, all the animations and that kind of stuff. It's, it's similar to that. Like when you walk up past a wall and you're a little too close to it and Ellie just kind of like brushes Brush it off. It like yep. little things like that that like go a long way in pulling you in. And then things like, if you were to tell me, oh, you can break glass in this game, you can throw a brick and break glass, I'd be like, um, okay, that's all right. That doesn't sound remarkable at all. But when you do it in this game, it's like fucking incredible. And I can't explain why, you know? Um, and so there's things like that, that that are just cool. And the way each encounter, even like when they're, they're more random, like in fights and stuff, um, each encounter feels so designed around exactly, you would think that it was, perfectly linear and you were meant to hit this guy and shoot him in that spot and him fall over this railing you know what i mean like the physics somehow work in a way that i don't know how you program shit like that it doesn't really make sense to me um it all just seems to work um but yeah that's that's the kind of stuff that like that that stands out to me in this game that um yeah and then narratively it's really really good so far um i'm anxious to see uh, how it ends like i'm really like want to get done with it just to like know the story and so that it's not spoiled but but i love experiencing it so it's it's that weird thing we were talking about before where like you want it to be done so you know um but you don't want to like stop enjoying it along the ride so um yeah we'll talk about it more uh coming up especially narratively i'm sure that it'll be easier to uh you know judge things uh, once we both have finished it and stuff so there's one thing i want to mention that i don't think we talk about often and it's weird because we're sitting here talking about cyberpunk earlier and I'm excited to see Keanu Reeves in that game. And obviously he looks, he's Johnny Silverhand, but he looks like Keanu Reeves. I like that Naughty Dog does the thing where their characters never look like the people who are playing them. So Ellie Hmm. doesn't look like Ashley Johnson. She looks more like Alan Page, Mm -hmm. if anything. Uh, Troy Baker and uh, Joel look nothing alike. And uh, Dina, who's one of the new characters, is played by Shannon Woodward of uh, Westworld. And you know her from a bunch of other stuff. 
She looks nothing like her either. Um, I like that because it helps me get into the immersiveness of the game because I'm not staring at a celebrity. You know what I mean? It's it's weird. It's something I never thought about, but playing this game, I'm like, yeah, I appreciate that. Because um, you can sometimes tell mm-hmm. it's somebody's voice, a specific actor, but not staring at their face at the same time as well <laughs> makes the immersiveness a lot easier on you. Um, it's, I like this game. I think to your point, you made a good point saying that it, it feels a lot like the first game in terms of the environments, because like, what the hell are you going to do? Right. <laughs> it is what it is. Yeah. Um, unless mm-hmm. you go drastically to another part of the country where, you know, environments naturally are completely different. Yeah. Like you go to Arizona. Yeah. Or like New Mexico or something where it's like yeah. a lot more dry. Right. Um, but maybe that's part of why I feel it, it doesn't have the same pop in terms of, being that game at the end of the generation like the first game did is because we've experienced this before so the environments aren't as eye-catching it feels like familiar territory in that sense and like i said me saying it feels like a game that could have came out two years ago isn't a knock i love red dead redemption that came out two years ago you know it came out 2018 yeah. it's god of war came out two years ago exactly um and i'm yeah i'm not saying that to be to bash the game at all i just it doesn't feel like that same pop at the end of the generation as the first game um, I think probably by the end of it, narratively, it will. But technologically, of me playing yeah. on a base PS4, I don't know if I'm going to hit that. And I don't need it to do that either, you know? I'm not saying that's something it needs to hit for me. Um, but Oh, and that reminds me too, because you brought up a good point of like, it doesn't look quite as good as the E3 things. And and this was something I, that occurred to me, like watching the Sony presentation a few weeks ago and then the Microsoft one before that is, I don't know what goes on, but like, Games always look so much better, like when I actually am playing them myself and it's native. Something about like when I stream those damn events, like nothing looks great. It's like it. There's a lot of uh, I don't know if it's called compression or whatever, where like yeah, it's kind of look. It's like uh, pixelating and looking a little bit. Yeah, yeah, that kind of stuff. And like it just never. I'm like, you know, this this actually isn't showcasing shit very well for me. I just want to play it. So I've had the opposite experience with most games in the past few years. Where like. Yeah, but then if I go back and watch the presentation after when it's not like streamed live or something. Um, but even like the Sony one, I think, was that like a video on demand that they put out or was it a stream? I don't even know. It was a video no. that they put out. They did live at like 1080p. I don't even think it had 4K until afterwards when they uploaded the separate videos. But yeah, so that was, I had the opposite thing. Like, oh, wow, this looks even better than, that's like with every game lately. Um, well, uh, Digital Foundry I do want to put up out. an article where they showed side-by-side screenshots of the final game and the E3 presentation, which made a lot more clear. And once mm-hmm. again, I'm not faulting for that. It's, every game has to do that because you run into technical limitations. Totally get it. Um, but it did, you know, we're talking about our experience with the game. And from what I saw at E3 and what I'm playing now, I'm not disappointed by it. It's just when we're talking about, you know, our impressions or whatever. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. I, that That's what it is, I guess. It's not, I can't generally it's not gonna be like egregious. It's like something that <laughs> yeah. digital foundry has to point out, right? But if your puddle isn't the same as it was in the <laughs> video, then fuck you. Yeah. Um the the one thing I want to point out because um I, I'm avoiding all of all of Twitter pretty much because I don't want to see these damn spoilers that are apparently floating around and a lot of people are, you know, are, are pissed off about the story and I don't know exactly why yet. I gotta wait to find out. But Oof, and um, that's a whole conversation and we're like, gonna need to have. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we'll probably get Oof. to it more in depth later. But and yeah, obviously, like, in there's like weird rumors that are being directed at Neil Druckmann, and I don't know, there's weird stuff going on. But like, um, so he's getting a lot of shit thrown at him, and like, but he did share one one tweet of someone um, saying that like uh, a girl who is lesbian and her like I think it was brother or cousin or old friend or something um, texted her who had previously not been accepting at all, like one of those types of people, and told her like, oh, you know, I've been playing this new Last of Us game and. I never thought about it much before, but seeing the protagonist with her girlfriend made me think of you. And I don't know, just made me think. And it was, it was really, I, I can't quote it right now, but it was really like heartfelt. And, and he, it, he retweeted it. And it, to me, it kind of pointed out the discussion we had a few weeks ago of like representation and these types of things and having different protagonists and, and different characters uh, that are, you know, um, different than the, the average white guy playing the game. Like, can make an actual real difference in the world. It's not like, if you want to like say like, well, diversity for diversity's sake is stupid. It's like, and in the most literal sense, it's just not, right? It can actually make an impact on the world. And 
And then selfishly for me as a guy who doesn't it, it impact, it just is, it makes for better stories. Too, right? Well, so, I mean, I we talked about Avengers. Avengers main character is going to be a Pakistani Muslim, which is yes, huge. That's right. Yeah. Which, yeah. That's what I remember saying that. that that's, that's cool. Um, I look forward to hearing more about uh, her because they could, I mean, it's easy to highlight, you know, Captain America. Um, and that's what right, makes that game more interesting cool is because that. you hear Avengers game. It's like, oh, cool, I'm going to be playing as the Avengers. But to have it be based around Kamala Khan is a really cool, interesting way to do the narrative. And I hope they nail it because it is cool that she's the protagonist in that game. And with Cyberpunk, speaking about it, Cyberpunk was the, the tabletop RPG was created by a black man. And it's going to be mm-hmm. awesome on launch day when everyone's going to be sharing their own personalized V, right? When they create their own character. Like I'm still debating of, do I want to create myself? Do I want to do a female? Do I want to do, you know, like I have all these ideas of which one I want to play as. And then they're talking about replayability. And I'm like, well, maybe I'll have separate characters. And, you know, it's just really cool because these kids growing up and even older people being able to see themselves, like it kind of makes me tear up a little bit thinking of like a, a little girl who happens to be Pakistani and maybe she's Muslim or maybe she's not. And she goes to, and she's really into superheroes. And then she finds out that's the Avengers game. She gets to play as somebody she can relate to. You know what I mean? I yeah, think it's really cool. Yeah. Um, that's that we have shit, a bunch like, of yeah, white seeing, dudes. So. Right. Seeing, you know, yeah, little girls in, in um, Wonder Woman costumes or, or like Ray from Star Wars and, and Captain so Marvel. Um, so cool. But that shit's, that shit's cool. And, and I'm going to flip back to something else too. Like when there was like all that confusion about like, oh, is the Miles Morales game uh, a full game or is it expansion? And, and for the most part, I was like, well, I don't really give a shit. Like, I, it's cool. I want to play it. But like the one thing that now I'm actually a little bit bummed out is like, it's you know not a full, uh, it's not the same scope as the original Spider-Man. The one part of it that actually does bum me out is like, like, like give Miles Morales his whole damn game. Make him just as big of a game as Peter Parker. Like you can do that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. What, in and, this case, it's like, well, they want to hit launch and stuff. And I get it. But like, that's what that's what the part that bummed me out about is i want you know i want miles morales to have a full game on par with the peter parker game because like i know peter parker is spider-man but like you guys are marvel and stuff and like you can make um miles morales the next spider-man like make the next spider-man they have black hispanic whatever you know i mean make kamala khan a big character too you can do that like you have the power to do that i don't know well here's the thing going on i wouldn't doubt if miles morales spider-man miles morales 2 is a full-fledged game Especially with the success of Into the Spider-Verse and stuff, right? But mm-hmm. I keep going back to this theory, Dom, of like, I could totally see that like a quarter of the way through Spider-Man 2, you end up having to play as Miles Morales for a majority of the game because Peter's dealing with the symbiote. You know what I mean? Yeah, that'd, be good. that'd be cool. I, I love that theory. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, representation matters. It's really cool. And it's awesome. We live in a time where, you know, everybody on the cover isn't some... Uh, some white dude looking angrily at the camera and is possibly bald or has a face walking with two, with two guns at his side, like walking backwards or whatever. Half that cover is one shadow or one color. Yeah. Um, that's it for this week's show. Like Dom said, we'll probably have more impressions for last of us part two next week. And, uh, yeah. Thank you guys for joining us. If you can, please follow us on YouTube search controlled interest. will pop right up, hit the bell notification. So, you know, when we upload new videos, hit the like, uh, if you enjoyed the podcast, over on Twitter, you can follow us collectively at CTRLINT. It's controlled interest abbreviated. You can follow us individually. Dom is at Dom's Oreos, and I am at Jared underscore. Over on iTunes and Spotify, search us up. We'll pop up there. Leave us reviews on iTunes. It helps us grow. Is there anything I'm missing? I don't think so. Um, yeah, we should have a guest next week, possibly. If not, it'll be me and Dom. Um, hopefully, you guys enjoyed the solo show last week. That was interesting to record. And, uh, yeah, we'll catch you guys next week. Bye.